Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to a brand new episode of Swings and Mishes. I'm your co-host and producer, Jeremy Taché, joined as always by Craig Mish on this Thursday morning, June 2nd, as the Marlins are on pace to score close to 400 runs in the month of June. That's a fun one, right? Craig, how you doing this Thursday morning? It's completely turned around, Jeremy. Here we go. The Marlins, the Marlins offense is back. Uh, everyone is now hitting. Avisel Garcia is going to hit 400 the rest of the yep. season and drive in a million runs, just like we drew it up at the beginning of the year. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, again, uh, good to be with you here on, on this episode. I think that more than anything, this will be a very informative episode for mm-hmm. a lot of people because we're going to have Assistant General Manager Dan Greenlee coming up really quickly here on the episode. We're not going to take a lot of time, Jeremy and I, talking back and forth. Everyone sort of knows if you're listening to this podcast, the position that the Marlins are in right now. But do want to uh, add a couple of disclaimers before we get to the interview, just so everybody sort of understands where things are at, especially me from a reporting perspective and a hosting perspective as well. Uh, number one, um, you know, I, I do want to mention that, you know, I'm an independent uh, host podcast. I think that uh, you know, there's you know certainly a respect factor between me and the Marlins and the way that that I cover the team. So I can definitely appreciate the fact that they have uh, allowed uh, Dan uh, to come on the podcast because clearly that is something that they could decline and Dan could decline. I also want to make clear that I do believe at some point soon, uh, the general manager, Kim Eng, is going to come on uh, the podcast as well. So just want to make clear on that. Uh, Kim, at some point, has agreed to come on. You know, there's no, no salaciousness or anything like that. That's just kind of the timing of where things are at. So uh, Dan will do the podcast today. Kim will do the podcast at some point in the future. It will be this season. I'm very confident in that. Um, a couple of other notes before we get to the interview as well. You saw me tweet out the other day about Don Mattingly and the fact that he is not on the hot seat. I want to be clear on that, that that is sourced information personally from me. As far as the manager is concerned with the Miami Marlins, Dan Greenlee is the assistant general manager. It is not his call to make whether or not Don Mattingly is the manager uh, now or in the future. So therefore, you can go off my information or you can choose not to. But that will not be a subject that is addressed, particularly here on this podcast as well, because I have already given you my thoughts on that. Now, that being said, the season has clearly not gone in the direction that the Marlins want as far as wins and losses. Uh, Dan is going to provide some information that I think that the followers of me and you, Jeremy, and people Mm -hmm. of the Marlins may have a different view Uh, based on some of the data that has shown through these 48 games. That is your choice, whether or not you want to. Uh, But I assure you that this will be worth your time because I believe all the questions that you want to know will be asked. Uh, But I did want to run that little two-minute disclaimer at the top because if you're looking for a podcast from someone in the organization coming on and saying Don Mattingly should be fired, this is not the podcast for you. This is not yours. But everything else will be covered including uh, Derek Jeter. So, uh, Jeremy, I'm looking forward to this. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think it's important to hear from someone in the front office uh, on the work that I do, and that is what we're going to provide everyone here today. Yeah, this feels like the perfect timing after a, a tough May uh, headed into the month of June and the Marlins sort of trying to rally based off of, you know, where the roster is at this moment. So let's not uh, waste any more time. Let's get to this interview with Marlins assistant general manager, Dan Greenlee. 
And we're joined now by Assistant General Manager of the Miami Marlins, Dan Greenlee. He's here with us, of course. Dan uh, joined the Marlins back at the end of 2017. He's been with the organization for approximately five years. And, uh, you know, do want to add here uh, as as we bring Dan in that clearly, um, you know, this is, you know, the Marlins and Dan's choice to uh, do this interview with me today. Obviously, uh, I am you know, not affiliated in any way with the Marlins. And so I do want to thank uh, the Marlins and thank Dan for his participation uh, on this podcast and being a guest to sort of kind of take us through what's uh, gone on with the Marlins this season. Uh, Dan, thank you so much for, for doing the podcast. I think that you, you did something with me maybe four years ago or something along those lines when you first joined the organization. So I'm uh, very thankful for you to come back here on the podcast. Thanks again. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. I'm glad this interview is uh, occurring in June after we put the nightmares of Maywell behind us. And I trust this chat will focus exclusively on our uh, historic offensive pace we've set. Uh, yeah, from- yeah. Well, we'll just do the we'll just do the 26 runs in in cores and and not focus on anything else. I'm I'm sure that people have that expectation for uh, here on the podcast for sure. Yeah. Uh, all right. So that being said, I, I think a lot of folks have a lot of questions, and and I think that you know I'm going to try and ask as many as I, as I see out there, both personally and and also on social media. But let's sort of you know kind of talk about where we're at. Uh, the Marlins right now are eight games under 500. And 13 games out of first place, six and a half out of the wild card. There's an upcoming four-game series this weekend, depending on when you're listening to this, against the San Francisco Giants. Uh, so, Dan, just I would ask you first your overall assessment as to uh, where the Marlins are at 48 games into the 2022 season. Yeah, assessment. It's uh, it's not the most straightforward assessment um, that you can have for a club. It, may be, it might be the least straightforward assessment you can have of a club. Uh, and and- in my opinion, we, um, you know, at the end of the day, your record is, is all that matters. Uh, on June 2nd, we are absolutely not where we want to be in that department. Um, but we are not at the end of the day, of course, there's 70% of season remaining. And if you watch these games, I feel like you see a team that is clearly different than, than what we're, what we've been used to. Um, and in some really promising ways, um, you know, generally speaking, I think the combination of offense, defense, and pitching, the club is doing some things that we haven't done organizationally in a long time. Um, we care above all about wins and losses, but um, I don't think a couple months into the season, wins and losses tell you everything about the talent of a club. And I think, you know, there's a lot of indicators that the talent of this club is something that, um, again, we haven't we we haven't had here in a while, and and bodes well going forward. Yeah, and when we're going to dive into that, and for those of you who don't know Dan's background, Dan is a numbers guy. He's an analytics guy, and so uh, that data is going to be provided to everyone listening today here on the podcast. We're going to walk uh, through that here, so uh, folks can get a better understanding as to what Dan is alluded to. But before we get to now, let let's rewind a little bit because you know, this was definitely a a fascinating off season for for you and the organization. Uh, Derek Jeter no longer with the organization. We will get to Derek here in just a minute. But uh, most importantly, let's talk about the product that you guys built this offseason. Um, there was, you know, a, a large contract in terms of the Marlins uh, committed to Avisail Garcia. Four years, I believe, is approximately $45 million. Another uh, $36 million committed or somewhere along those lines, you'll correct me if I'm wrong, uh, to Jorge Soler, uh, Bruce Sherman, the ownership group. Uh, committing those two contracts. In addition to that, you acquired 
uh, Joey Wendell in the offseason. You also acquired Jacob Stallings in the offseason, uh, not to mention maybe most importantly of all, um, a five-year, $50 million contract to uh, ace Sandy Alcantara, who's going to be in Miami for the foreseeable future. Uh, so with those financial commitments, um, Dan, by the ownership group, um, and, and then the trades that, that you guys made, you and, of course, General Manager Kim Eng, Assistant General Manager Brian Chatton, and the group that you have with you, did you feel that going into the season that you guys did enough to be a competitive team in 2022. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna latch onto that last that last word there, last couple words because um, again, our record is not where we want. And you know, it might sound uh, silly to say, yeah, you know, yeah, we did enough, and we're sitting here, uh, however many games below 500 that we are here. But um, you know, is this a competitive team? I know you watch these games. I know your followers watch these games. If nothing else, this is a very competitive team. And we play with anybody toe to toe and we've had uh, a lot of games come down to the wire and those games have not um, necessarily gone our way. It's a lot of, a lot of one run losses that come in a variety of different ways, but this, this club is extremely competitive. And like I said, I I think it bodes very well going forward. Um, You know, ideally it would bode a lot uh, better for the last, you know, 50, 50 something days um, in, in the past. But um, yes, I, I think that a competitive club is built here. And I know you said we'd get into that, that later. And, and uh, so I'll save that for later. But I think there's a lot of indications that this club is uh, more competitive than, than maybe it's, it's been in quite a while. Okay. You know, I don't, I don't think there's any reason to wait on that. We, we may as well do it now. Okay. Because I, I, I think that, that what you're saying, Dan, is that there's just a huge disparity in terms of what the record is and where the data shows. And so for for most of us, Dan, let's be honest, for most of us, um, it, it, not to say that we don't care, but we're looking at wins and losses. I mean, I'm looking at the Marlins being 13 games under, being six and a half games behind the wild card, and now all of a sudden have to chase, you know, to get back into the postseason, to get back to, you know, even 500. But uh, what 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 is it? What, what does the data show? I, I know that you guys are ranked in terms of statistically speaking and analytically speaking much higher than where the record is shown. So uh, please provide my my audience that data. And then I have a follow-up to that once you do that, please. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess I, I, I come from the analytics side of the game. I don't know, you know, I, I wouldn't say I'm a numbers guy necessarily. I, you know, wins and losses, I, I want to throw up every loss and I and every win means the world. And it's, I mean, we, that, at the end of the day, it's not trying to peddle you know, a bunch of underlying numbers that that mask the fact that we're, you know, uh, off to a poor start or whatever else. Like, but I do think when you're when you're assessing the talent of your club, you know, certain certain things matter, especially when you look forward. Um, we can't change the what happened here in, in May, especially. Um, but I think as you look forward, um, I'm, I tend to be uh, glass half empty at times and in my life generally. And I think there's just too many reasons to be glass half full about this club in particular, based on, based on some things that were done. Um, you know, in 2020, our offense was closer to average. It was complemented by, by strong pitching and we advanced to the NLDS. Um, unfortunately, that season has, has been an outlier, 2018, 19, 21. We we're bottom three in MLB by offense, uh, WRC plus, which is just measuring kind of your ability to get on base and, and hit for power generally. 
Um, we averaged 17 games under 500 in those years. And if you looked at the separation between us and successful clubs, it was really glaring. We were, we were, you know, uh, as a matter of hundreds of runs below average, um, offensively. And, you know, that was squarely on our radar this off season. And you fast forward to 2022, um, we have the ninth best, uh, offense in MLB, so far in 2022, when you just break down the ability to hit singles, doubles, home runs, uh, get on base, walks, you know, um, our offense checks out as ninth best. So to go from we've lived 28 through 30, um, and and as a fan, I think anybody in a front office is really just a diehard fan. I mean, they, you know, we care as much as anybody. I'm, I don't know, it'd be you'd be hard pressed to care more than we care. And our offense, you know, these past few years just did not put pressure on pitchers um, and it wasn't deep enough. And uh, and it just was it couldn't stack up. It couldn't put us in a position to win. So, you know, when you take our independent parts right now, we have, you know, the ninth best offense um, in MLB, which hasn't been great with. uh we're getting on base, creating traffic and hitting for power, but, but maybe not all at the same time. Uh, we have been great with runners in scoring position yet. Um, and that's one factor that helps explain wins and losses, you know, looking back here. Sure. Um, but there's no reason to believe that this team won't cash in on the traffic it creates. I mean, creating traffic and hitting for power is the hard part. And we have good ABs one through nine. Uh, we make pitchers legitimately uncomfortable. And I, I, I'm, I miss being able to say that, being able to watch that. And, you know, as we look forward, I'm excited about what our, what our club brings to the table offensively every day for the first time in, in quite a while. Yeah. You couple that with our pitching and our defense, which, which, you know, each of those things are ranking, you know, in the upper half of the league and, and especially the defense. And um, there's no reason to, to think we can't compete with anybody. Yeah. And, and so ninth in, in WRC and, and also in the top half in pitching, and I believe third or fourth in, uh, in overall defense. So, so, so now Dan, what's happening is my listeners are going, what the bleep. Okay. So if that is indeed the case and it is, I mean, the data backs that up, what's going on? Like, like, is it timely hitting? Is it runners and scoring position? Um, you know, the bullpen I want to get to, but I mean, are those fixable things? Are they lucky? Are they skill? Like, like how does this flip from 20 and 28 to 28 and 20 based on those numbers that, that, that are there, that are there for anyone to see? How, how does that change? How do you flip that? Yeah, I, I think to me, you know, two months into a season, give me a strong offensive club that lacks the half dozen to a dozen timely hits. Um, then I, you know, a club that is very deficient offensively, uh, that got you those six timely to 12 timely hits, you know what I mean? Like that, that change that, that swing swung that would have swung those certain games or whatever it is. Like, I, I think, you know, Tom Tango wrote a book, uh, I don't know, a couple of decades ago or whatever, and, and looked at clutch hitting and generally found that, you know, good hitters tend to be clutch hitters. Like if you had in a bat tonight in a clutch situation, you'd rather have a good hitter than somebody who's come up clutch, you know, the past three or four times or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's what we're looking at is a good offense that, you know, the hard part is becoming a good offense, you know, and these guys who have demonstrated the ability to get on base and hit for power are, are ultimately going to be able to, 
to uh, come up in those bigger moments and succeed uh, at an average rate or above average rate relative to the rest of the league, just like they have at all other moments. So I think you saw that. Obviously, you see that last night. You saw what this this club can do with runners on base. Um, you don't always have, you know, 15 opportunities a night uh, like we had over the course of yesterday, whatever it is. Um, but I, I think we're well positioned to be just in, as good in those moments as we are the rest of the game. Cause again, the, the, the entirety of your offense is the difficult part. And, and that's what I think, um, you know, that's where the focus is for me personally right now. Yeah. And, and, and I understand that. And, and I think that, you know, in fairness to, you know, fans, I mean, they, they, you know, Dan, in the end, they're going to look at the record. They're going to see what it is that's in stone. It can't be changed. Um, but you know, what can be changed is how you guys act and how you guys react as an organization moving forward. So a lot of those one run losses, Dan, have come courtesy of the ninth inning. And it's pretty glaring at this point that the club in the off season didn't really address the bullpen uh, in, in terms of getting what I think some would call as a lockdown closer. Uh, I've made my feelings known about uh, closers and bullpens for many years here on this podcast, Dan, I don't really believe in them. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't believe in spending money on a lockdown closer, but that being said, uh, so, you know, you know, there were, there were a few, you know, NRIs that came in that came out, we've seen that happen. And then you guys, um, you know, made that trade at the end of spring training to acquire Tanner Scott and Cole Sulcer. And we were fresh living in the moment here with Sulcer giving up that walk-off last night but, but Dan, could more have been done to, to solidify that bullpen? Did you think that you had, uh, you know, uh, I, I take it back, not a bullpen, the ninth inning, because that's really where the issue has been. Did you think that you had someone that could uh, handle the ninth inning? Did you think it would be roles? What was the organization thinking going in? And what are they think? And what are you guys thinking moving forward? Yeah, so there there are, I guess, you know, if you're talking the very back end, there are very few shutdown closers in baseball. And in the rare instances, they're available. Clubs want half your system. I, I promise that you and any of your listeners uh, would hate uh, maybe every single uh, trade concept we've ever received for one of those few shutdown closers. Um, they don't grow on trees. Clubs know it. Um, but even the ninth inning, I think across the league, you know, if you flip on games after ours or before ours or whatever it is, like the ninth innings invent- eventful across the game. Um, and uh, bullpens tend to be volatile year to year and certainly month to month. So um, I think a lot of the guys that you would you would have labeled as shutdown closers going into this year, if you look at you know what they've done this year, every at least once a week, um, I think that they're. Uh, fan base is is up in arms about about their performance. It's just a very uh, you know highly visible inning um, that that tends to get a lot of focus because you know the game's on the line. Um, there are ways to be successful without an established closer. I want to say the Rays had uh, 13 players register saves last year. Uh, in 2020, we took three guys who didn't necessarily pitch at the back end of bullpens in prior years, and and Brad Boxberger, Yimmy Garcia, Brandon Kinsler, and we protected leads about as what uh, about as anybody in the league about as well as anybody in the league en route to the playoffs. Uh, before that, we had identified Nick Anderson, acquired him, and and he was pitching leverage in the World Ser- Series. You know, shortly thereafter. So, I think, you know, you can, you have clubs, um, you know, that don't necessarily have Josh Hader in house, and 
and they they go this route of trying to get as many um, complete and competent bullpen pieces as they can and and hoping that all can be trusted broadly to keep us in games and that certain players will rise to be effective back-end options. And so far, that group through two months has been really good at keeping us in games when behind and less effective protecting small leads. Um, I We think there's enough talent there for the latter portion of that narrative to change. Um, and I think... You know, the past few years has shown, you know, we've been we've been able to identify those guys and and those guys have been successful um, just through two months of this season. We we just haven't had that same um, fortune in that inning in particular. Dan, I'd love to talk about the the starting pitching. Obviously, Sandy and Pablo have been stellar for this team. Um, Trevor Rogers has had his struggles. Jesus Lazardo now injured. Um, but the spot that everybody has sort of been seeing is every fifth day, Eliezer Hernandez, who has struggled out of the gate so far this season. And when pitching is sort of starting pitching in particular is sort of the strength in this organization. And we saw Max Meyer tearing it up at the beginning of the year in AAA. We see what Edward Cabrera did getting called up just yesterday. Um, what was the organization sort of thought in in letting Eliezer sort of pitch through his struggles so far, as opposed to having a quick hook and bringing up one of these young guns when, you know, hot start was sort of what we heard so much of. And every fifth day, the team was sort of being taken out of it early in the season. Yeah, you know, taken out of it, I think, is is strong um sure, sure. I, I just mentioned yumi garcia and he was coming from i remember with the the dodgers he had a high home run rate against and home run rate against is one of the most volatile uh features of a pitcher and he i, I want to say he was non-tendered and and we acquired him and he let up zero home runs for us in 2020 on that playoff yeah. run and it's uh it, it's kind of a uh i don't know it's a it's a unique it has so much consequence on wins and losses and and within those games and on your ERA and everything else, mm-hmm. you know, uh, as you look forward after, um, you know, certain starts or outings, like you'd like to think that that's going to normalize. And, and Ellie Eiser has been a, a very effective uh, pitcher for us um, ever since that year after his rule five selection. So, yeah, um, I think, you know, two months in, we have some guys performing their absolute world beaters and we have some guys who, um, you know, are off to a little bit slower starts outwardly, but, um, we have so much talent in our rotation that our, our, like you said, the upper minors are, we're probably stacked up as well as anybody across the game. Um, and then in our current rotation, there's a lot of trust in, in those pieces there. And, um, I think, I, I think we probably lose less sleep over starting pitching than, than any club in the league. All, all teams have their hiccups and we have, you know, two at, at, at certain times this year, but, um, I think that's an area where we're, we're pretty well positioned to, to um, do well now and now and going forward. Yeah. And, uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, Lozardo, who, you know, I really, you know, I, to me, Dan, didn't look like a guy at the end of last year, really took a big step, I think, with you guys this year, too. Absolutely. It's just such a shame that uh, that he has been hurt. So um, a, a couple more for you, Dan, and I appreciate all the time you're giving us for sure. I, I mean, look, the all-star game is still a month away. I feel like, uh, you know, Sandy Alcantara at his current pace is going to get there. I feel like Pablo Lopez should probably get there too. But I, I think that the one player that people love discussing most, Dan, about the Marlins is Jazz Chisholm Jr. And, you know, certainly there was a plan in place for him at the beginning of the season. He, uh, you know, has has also, you know, been in and out of the lineup because of injury too. I know he's back and delivered a big home run uh, on, on, let me see, it was Wednesday. Okay, when we're taping, as I always forget. Um, 
can you talk about sort of the day to day with Jazz and and the dynamic of you know building him into a perennial All Star, uh, what the future will look like for him, and sort of you know the development that he has had because he he I mean he's always a confident player we know that Dan but it, it appears this year that he is has been one of the faces of baseball essentially he's you know one of the most popular players around the league. Yeah, he's 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 worked extremely hard to get there. And and you know, I, I think you saw early on we we challenged him to to really earn his stripes here at the major league level and and he's uh well on his way to to having done that. He's um he's an impact player and and I know you just mentioned him in the context of the All-Star game and that's exactly where where he should be mentioned at this point. He's uh he's the game-changing player and he's worked really hard. I mean, there are certain things that come naturally to jazz. He's so, uh, I, I mean, there are things that he does that you could probably work in baseball for 50 to a hundred years and certain things that maybe, maybe you don't see twice. He's, he's that incredibly talented. Um, but you know, the work that he's put in defensively to be, you know, a more reliable defender, um, the work, uh, the concentration that, that he's carried into his at bats to be a more consistent offensive player, not just an electric player, but a player that, you know, you can count on every day. Um, that takes work for anybody. And I, I, I think, you know, all the credit goes to, to jazz, you know, and, and our coaching staff for, um, you know, having this player in a position to, to be one of the most special players in baseball. Um, and he deserves all the attention he's getting. And, and I, I hope the, the next, you know, uh, decade plus, uh, base, all of baseball get to enjoy what, what, what has a chance to be something, uh, extremely special in jazz chisholm. Yeah, no, he's, he's, he's off to a great start. And, you know, the, the unfortunate part is we're doing things like this at, at like ground zero for the season, and, you know, where you guys are at in the standings. And yet, if the All-Star game was today, I mean, the Marlins would have three players represented. So it's sort of bizarre that that's kind of where we're at. And and again, uh, you know, runners in scoring position does seem to be the uh, the outlier here in all of those one-run games. Um, so the, the organization, uh, Dan, I, I don't expect you to comment on the circumstances behind uh, Derek Jeter no longer being with the organization. And I understand that that's the you know company line at this point. So for those of you who are listening and expecting Dan to riff about 15 minutes about uh, you know why Derek is no longer with the organization, uh, that's not going to happen here. But uh, I do want to know that given the fact that he, he did hire you, he brought you in, and a lot of the other employees who are still currently here, what what would you say the biggest difference is if there is a difference uh, now uh, with Derek no longer being part of the organization, um, you know, and, and certainly, you know, other other voices or, or Kim, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know exactly what the, the dynamic is now, but I think a lot of people are probably wondering that, Dan, now with Derek no longer here, um, is there is there something tangible different uh, with ownership or the front office? that that you can talk about with him no longer being part of the organization well yeah i, I guess first i'd say I, I think i think derek really instilled a lot in, in everybody uh around him and that that worked for him and and that I, I i would say everybody who has been here now or previously has invested so much time and effort to put the marlins in a position to be competitive and ultimately win and 
And that is especially true of Derek. And I, I think his drive to win, which is, you know, notorious, I mean, worldwide, you know, like it's, it's very well known. It's, it's still part of everybody here and everything we do. And as for changes in operation, you know, Bruce Sherman and, and, and Kimming, our general manager, um, you know, the goal, the goal is really uh, exactly the same as to give Miami a, a team worthy of watching and, and capable of winning every night. And I think that's, that's why we're, you know, we're crushed by the start and wins and losses, but, but we do think that this team is going to be uh, competitive. And I think our, our processes and our decision-making are, are trying to balance, um, you know, some of the, the gut punch of, of, you know, be, being um, materially under 500 right now on June 2nd, um, but also not trying to lose sight of processes that, that have, um, you know, created so much, such a large stride forward in important areas for this team. Um, so I think, um, structurally, um, you know, we're, we're, we're aiming to, to stay the course the best we can, because we do believe in this team and, um, and, and, and the processes that have, that have put this team in a position to, to be uh, very competitive and, and, and win these next few months. Yeah. And, and, and by the way, you know, you know, a big part of what you guys have done in the past, Dan, um, is coming up here again, believe it or not. I mean, we're, we're basically, I, I think August 2nd is a trade deadline, if I'm not mistaken, but that deadline is going to come and it, look, it's impossible for, for me or you or anyone else to predict where you guys would be at on, on August the 2nd, you know, naturally extrapolating the season. If, if that was to happen, it would be uh, a different way that you guys would approach the trade deadline in the past, regardless of what your record was, you guys have been very aggressive at the trade deadline. And, and I don't, you know, certainly can't predict what the future is. Last year was more of, um, you know, trading the assets that you had to acquire different players because of where the club was at in the standings. If you guys are in a better position, Dan, and the club is, you know, say, I mean, it's impossible to predict around 500 or close to it. Do you anticipate you guys being buyers at that point? Do you guys anticipate, you guys being aggressive as you have been in the past, you know, aggressive in 2019, 2020, not so much last year, but again, the circumstances called for a different action. You know, I'm, I'm going off the cuff here a little bit. I, I, I remember we were at the trade deadline last year and, and we were uh, not, not as well positioned as we wanted to be, but you looked around the league, the, the Braves, you know, all the playoff projections. It was, I want to say it was like 10, it was around 10%. Uh, it was not particularly high. They were, you know, they were further along in the year and however many games uh, um, behind, I believe it was the Mets at the time. The, but that team, I think, was aggressive because they believed in their club and they had good reason to believe in their club. And I think, you know, I, I, I don't know what the next, you know, um, couple months will hold for this team, but, but if we stay uh, the course here, there's a lot of reasons to believe in this club. And it's, you know, similarly, we're not where we want games back um, of the wild card or the division right now, but there's a lot of reasons to believe in this club. So, it, you know, if you ask me right now, you can't tell what exactly how we'll be positioned two months from now, but um, if we continue to hit, we continue to pitch and we continue to defend, I'd like to think we're going to be in a good position to, to you know, to, uh, supplement our team or do whatever we need to do to, to make a playoff run this year. And 2020 that was going and we got Starling Marte and we did ultimately make the playoffs. And uh, I think it was Dan Winkler hit him in the hand and 
things went a little, little south, you know, in the yeah. in the Cubs series. But um, but I I think we've shown historically, like we're we if we think if we believe in ourselves, uh, we're willing to be aggressive on that front. And like I said, like this is not you know not not all this stuff is publicly available information. There's a lot of reasons to believe in this club. And hopefully two months from now that that will have translated into wins and losses. And, and we're in position to, to be aggressive and explore, you know, ways to improve. Yeah. Well, uh, Dan, you know, you've, you've given a lot of time with us here for sure uh, on, on the podcast here on swings and misses. And, you know, certainly I know the results aren't where you want. I feel like we, we hit on a lot of topics that, that folks have out there. Hopefully they can listen. And by the way, uh, check out some of the stats and the data that you provided to uh, nonetheless, um, you know, two months to go to the deadline, still a lot of time left in the major league baseball season to get things turned around. And I know that, uh, you know, coming on here definitely takes a voluntary effort on you and the Marlins part. So thank you again for coming on. Really appreciate it. My best to you and uh, in the front office and Kim uh, for the remainder of the season. And hopefully uh, next time you come on, <laughs> there's a much better position to be talked about. That is for sure. Yep. That's the hope all around. And I, I think we're, I think we're positioned to, to be there. So we'll see. Okay. Thank you very much. Dan Greenlee with us here on this episode of Swings and Mishes, the assistant general manager of the Miami Marlins. That will do it for this episode. Uh, enjoy your weekend. And Jeremy and I will be back again with another episode very soon. 